right, I thought that I would spend a few minutes uh, in this round trying to explain how we got to all of this. How did, how did my Judaism, then my two-part Catholicism, link in with each other? And where am I going with it? Well, it's really very simple. All of this is leading to the fulfillment of what is going on in the world in general. And in order for us to cover the world in general, both politically, economically, ecologically, everything that is going on right now, it all has to stem back to a scriptural reference. Now, we've understood Hegelian dialectic and the concept of that you have to create a, a one situation, create a verse stimulus against it, against it, and as a result, create a synthesis in the middle somewhere that people can accept. Uh, you give them extremes. Uh, Glenn Beck referred to this as the Overton window, where you take uh, the one side of an issue as being this is the most conservative end that we are at, and this is the most liberal end that we're at. And what we do is that you can't get everybody to go into that liberal end, so what you do is you try to, to work over gradually the window so that what was on the extreme end of liberal is now almost middle ground. So that as it comes over, the general standard in the middle that most people can accept is actually the old liberalism. Only the window has been pushed over. So your viewpoint has changed. And the conservatism has changed as well, obviously, in that process. And that has been going on throughout history and it's typical you continue to move the point it's the frog in the kettle concept of you keep boosting the heat level up and the frog doesn't know it's being boiled that's what's happening politically economically ecologically in all ways possible as far as the world system is concerned but at the root of all of this is a religious element and you're going to go, oh, you've got to be kidding me, really? No, it really is. Everything that's going on right now is going on because of religion. And not religion in general, but a very specific religion in which the world is being united. And I'm not going to call it Christianity. I'm not going to call it Islam. I'm not going to call it any of these specific things. It's not going to be a particular religion. It's going to be an amalgamation of religions. And I was trying to introduce that through the Judaism and the Catholicism. Because there really are only four major religious types on the planet. Okay? If you exclude atheism. And it is, it's a fifth religion. Okay? It's still a belief system. But, obviously, you have Judaism. You have Christianity. You have Islam. And then you have the Eastern, okay, or mystical religions that are like your Hinduism slash Buddhism, all those types of things. Those are really your four main elements that exist in the world. And I didn't go over the, uh, the mystic Eastern end of all this because I think you'll understand where all this comes from. First of all, Hinduism and Buddhism doesn't really have a god in its image, okay? It's, it's an absence of a god. And uh, it, it deals more with you coming in tune with yourself or coming in tune with nature and things of that nature. It's very new age. And it's this, this whole concept of, you know, hugging on the universe, okay, and sending a message out. And 
the reason I only cover Judaism and Catholicism is because those are really the two things that have meshed together and are becoming the centerpiece that are now incorporating the mystic system into themselves. Now, let's look at Judaism first, just briefly, and you understand that Judaism is a religion that, quite honestly, should have disappeared with the first coming of Jesus Christ. Should have disappeared at that point. Christ arrives on the scene. He fulfills the Old Testament, or the Tanakh. Okay, He fulfills Jewish prophecy. However, the vast majority of the Jews dismissed it. They didn't see it, they didn't take it, and so they continued on with their attempts to finish out their prophecy. Now, that then split as well into those that continue to seek a Messiah, the Messianic Judaism, that it still exists in some pockets, and then there was those Jews that just abandoned it. They abandoned the end times idea. It just became unimportant, and the focus began to be making the most out of this life here, making this a paradise. Okay, well, that fits in rather well with what I just said about the mystic Hindu Buddhism types of things, where you're not looking for God, you're looking for satisfaction here. So Judaism has already kind of began to mold into the Eastern religions. So they're acceptable to each other when it comes to those kind of concepts. Now, the Messianic end of Judaism really isn't a whole lot better because they are searching for a Messiah that will come and fit a particular mindset that is not in their scripture, but is in their commentary. They've broadened themselves from the 70-some-odd books uh, that, that they have accepted and not accepted, increased and decreased over the years, over the centuries, and now you're down to this... 40-something book, what we in the Christian community call the Old Testament, and I say 40-something because they have some additional apocrypha, or things we refer to as apocrypha or pseudepigrapha, that fit into some of their belief systems, your Esdras and your uh, Book of Enoch and so forth, Baruch, Barak, and all of these different things that are there. However, it doesn't really matter how many of those books exist in their system because the truth is they're not following that system for their Messiah concept. They are going with their commentaries. They're going with what their people have interpreted from the scripture over the centuries, which is libraries full of content, most of which has, has been combined uh, collaborated on, has been grown post-first coming Christ. So it's been in the last 1600, 1700 years that most of what Judaism focuses on has actually been developed, not pre-Christianity. It's been post-Christianity. So there's some flaws in that system. They're not basing their religion. Even the Messianic Jews are not basing their religion off of their scripture. They're basing it off of man's interpretations of things. Period. So they, in a very strong sense of the word, have fallen away from God as well. 
So again, whether they're Messianic or non-Messianic, they've fallen into this Eastern religion idea of we don't need to focus on God, we don't need to focus on anything else, we need to focus on perfecting our life here. So there's Judaism out of the picture. Catholicism does the same thing. They do not focus on end times. They dismiss a great deal of it. And, uh, and I've already covered in, in, what, in three hours worth of content, I've covered uh, some of the issues that are there in Catholicism, complete with the necromancy, you know, this worship uh, of things that are of the dead. Um, it, it's crazy, but all of that is there. Okay? And Catholicism, again, is not centering in on Christ. It's centering in on their saints and human figures in general that they cling to and their papacy and the lineage of priests and so forth that fall underneath all of that. So Catholicism has fallen away from seeking outside of this realm as well and they're falling very neatly into the same problem that Judaism has been falling into for these, these same centuries. And again, as a result of that, they're all falling into the Eastern religion idea of it's not so much focusing on God as it is on making life better for us here. There is no focus on an afterlife, and there really isn't any focus on a conversion of anything. Now, they may want to see members increased, but that's just a membership issue. That's not conversion. They're certainly not focusing on actual salvation. They just want life to be better here. So what does that leave us? Well, it doesn't leave much, actually. It leaves those that consider themselves Protestant, meaning non-Catholic. So you have all of those denominations that happen. The Protestant Reformation and the various re-reformations that have happened over the centuries regarding all of that. And it has been out of that crop that you get your concepts that have focused on the end times. And unfortunately, we've discovered that that's really been truly highly manipulated in the last 200 years or so to include a, a, a concept that does not appear within the scripture. But the Protestant church has adopted it. On the whole, they have adopted it. And it got seeped into fundamentalism at the beginning of the 1900s. And uh, what we're seeing now is this mad rush of what is known as dispensationalism. This idea of history being divided into sections where salvation is reached in different ways. And this concept of uh, being able to actually somehow affect or finish the system on our own. And that's where I want to get to with this video now. I want to focus in on the need for us to have true theological orthodoxy, meaning a return to what the church was originally supposed to be. Christian orthodoxy, meaning basically getting back to the origins of what it means to be a Christian. Now, According to Richard Moore, who is the author of a great work called Divergent Theology, theological orthodoxy is doctrine that honors God okay, by properly characterizing Him. 
Okay, It brings you back to a full understanding of who God really was, is, and will be. It represents the message, the identity, and the mission of the church throughout the millennia. Okay, It is the actual core of the gospel. Okay, In order to be orthodox in Christianity, it means you need to have a set of standards that you live by, that you can agree on, that go back to the original intentions, not only of Christ himself, but of those apostles in that first century. Now, you have to understand from the very beginning, in order for you to be fully orthodox, you have to understand that Christianity is the only true religion. And it is the only way in order for you to get to God. Okay, John 14, 6 tells us that Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto into the Father but by me. Okay, Jesus is making it very clear that he is the only path to get to God. Only Jesus. And Acts 4 12 reminds us, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is it. This is all we have. Christianity is the only true religion and the only way to God. Now, John 3.36 also reminds us that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. But for those that do not believe in the Son, they will face the wrath of God in them. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 Now, what we have now is a need to avoid a whole series of false gospels, not just that have gone on throughout history, like Judaism or Catholicism or Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, uh, anything else of that nature. I'm talking about false gospels today that claim to be Christianity. Study to show you thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth is the key here. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Okay, that last statement in there, their word will eat like a cancer. Basically what you're looking at here. You do not want to be taken in by the false gospels, for they will produce a cancer of your soul. And then here we are with the emergent church that is literally producing a cancer in our community in our world and here at a time when it's clear there are tribulations that are going on now I'm not saying the great tribulation but I'm saying there are tribulations going on in the world today there's uncertainty there's unrest and at a time when the church should be where you can go to instead what you have is you have a cancerous church 
of babblings, and it's referred to as the emergent church. Without orthodoxy, you invite heresies or false doctrines which lead to misguided and lost souls. And they are in the forms of the new apostolic reformation, which literally has the concept of apostles returning to this day, that people living today share in the same power and share in the same connection with Christ that his disciples did when they started creating the church. That there is a new breed of apostles that have been brought back, that are currently living, that can perform miracles, that can raise the dead, that can do all of these things that you witnessed in Acts, but in the 21st century. This is part of their claim, just part of their claim. There is the Word of Faith group. They predate the NAR, but they coexist with them. They were the forerunners, a part of the forerunners with them. Word of Faith is still very common today. And Third World Movement, again, predating all of this. So it worked its way back, but they still overlap with each other, and they go back at least to the beginnings of the 1900s. But now you've got this, this group that is willingly accepting themselves under the title of Dominion Theology. This concept of the entire world being under the dominion of the church, and once that occurs, then, then the Messiah can come. Now, who are some of the key players in this cancer that goes on in this emergent church? Well, you see these two here. This is Bill and Benny Johnson. They're old school at this point, okay? But they are with Bethel Church in Redding, California. They're one of the forerunners of today's generation, the 21st century generation of all of this. Um, in short, they're nutcakes, but uh, we'll look into that in more detail in the future. Then you have Todd White. Todd White has gotten very popular in the last few days because uh, he is uh, he has made some statements that actually came off very authentic. They came off very orthodox. But then again, he's not. And to look at him would tell you that he's not. He's Rastafarian and so forth. But he has what's called Lifestyle Christianity, is his group. And uh, we'll talk more of him in later as well. Then you have this lovely fellow, Ben Fitzgerald. Now, he is also with Bethel from the earlier days, but he is also part of a group uh, known as Awakening Europe, and, uh, and that is part of his move as well, and he looks very hipster as well. Oh, and then you have this lovely woman. This is Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker is with, uh, her ministry is with her husband, and uh, I think it's Roland, I think is his name, and it's Iris Ministries. Now, Iris automatically sends up a flag for me because I think Iris, I think of an eye, I think of Illuminati, uh, Eye of Horus, and you know, all this kind of stuff. But uh, this woman, she, her characteristics, she's not as flamboyant in what she says as she is in what she does. Uh, it's very frequent for her to be lying prostrate on the floor of the stage uh, immobile because the spirit has overtaken her, she says. And uh, there's some craziness that goes on with her. But then you have some of these older school people. Now, see, if you were 
If you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, you may not recognize some of those folks up until this point, but you'll recognize this man. This is Kenneth Copeland from the Copeland Ministries. He goes way back. And some of his most recent videos, you see him trying to blame that he is going to blow the Holy Spirit onto things. He's going to blow away the COVID virus, and uh, he's going to do all of these different things. But he also manages to get caught up in all kinds of scandals, including the fact that he owns numerous jet planes. And uh, he uh, to say that he wastes the money that comes into him in the tunes of millions and millions of dollars is an understatement. Uh, but he is more of the word of faith generation, uh, along with this guy, Benny Hinn, or as I used to refer to him back in the seminary days, Henny Ben, uh, obviously of Benny Hinn Ministries. This guy has been prolific in the hands-on or the huge wave of the Spirit coming across a group and uh, slaying them in the Spirit and all those types of things and the uh, all the crazy jitterings and jammerings of things that go on in the so-called tongues and laying on of the Spirit and all of that uh, goes back mainly with people like Benny Hinn. Then you have Fred Price. Now you may not be as familiar with him, particularly if you're younger, but he's with ever-increasing faith. And uh, you can even tell by the image that's there that he kind of mixes all kinds of things together in his uh, structure, but uh, he's another one that goes back to the third world movement and to the word of faith. And then you have old school Paul Crouch, obviously with Trinity Broadcasting Network. Um, I wouldn't call his a ministry, I would call his an actual television programming, a network. And so all of these others would appear and still do appear on his network on a regular basis. And of course, you see right there in the middle of this image is Billy Graham. Didn't have a problem at all falling into showing up on Paul Crouch's program uh, throughout the years, the decades. But uh, they... <sighs> you, you have to... Paul is gone now, just as Billy is, but uh, you would really have to uh, to look not very far to find the issues that go on in Paul Crouch's history. He was a very crooked, lethally crooked individual. And Trinity Broadcasting Network has been the, uh, the centerpiece of presenting these false gospels for decades. Now the question would be, did any of these people, and, and that's by far not a complete list, but did any of these people have any kind of influence on you growing up or currently? And if so, would you recognize false teachings if you heard them? If you were shocked by any of the people in that, that list, and you go, well, hold on a second, I don't see anything wrong with them, then you've been guilty of being blind to false teachings. So how do you know you would recognize actual false teachings? So here's kind of a quiz. Somebody said that Jesus was not God at some point in his life, that he became God at baptism. Up until that point, he was just a good man whom God decided to use. So at baptism, the Holy Spirit fills him 
And at that point, then, he became God. Okay? There is no Trinity. Concept that there's no Trinity. There's no God, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not anything like that. It doesn't exist that way. Okay? There, there's God, and then there's prophets, and, uh, and there's, there's spirits out there that, that do things, okay, or that you can connect with. Or how about that the Holy Spirit is not God, but is a force which can be tapped into for supernatural encounters. So you can channel into the Holy Spirit, and you can you can transport yourself spiritually and physically uh, to other parts of uh, of the world or the universe. Uh, the, the concept that you can earn your way into heaven. That Jesus will or can not return until the church is completely unified and has dominion over every cultural area. Or that there's no resurrection of the dead. Never happened, won't happen. Or they have a use of Eastern mysticism or New Age practices, yoga, um, things of that nature that are used within the midst of their service. Now, would any or all or none of these items fit under what you consider false teachings? The reason I ask that is because Dominion Theology today answers to every single one of those items. Many of those church figures that I just showed will adhere to most, if not all, of that list. And today's strongest group the younger of all of this, your Todd Whites and so forth, and your Paula—I mean, your Paula White and these others that that are there—they fall under this Dominion theology, that concept of the church must unite, must take over, and it has a seven mountains mandate. The first mountain is education; it has to unify and take over and have dominion over. The education system in the world, the church. The church, of course, obviously needs to take over religion as a whole. So the church needs to be able to become the source of religion on the planet. It needs to take over the concept of family. It needs to become, the church should become the family unit itself. Your family is, uh, is, is a whole believer's body, not just your nuclear family needs to take over the business realm. All business needs to be conducted through the church. It needs to be taken care of in those means, financially, uh, corporations, production, things of that nature. It, it all really needs to be under the realm of the church. The government, okay, and, and this concept seems to be pretty simple. I mean, we need to have a, a government that is godly. We have a military that is sanctified and holy and just. So all of that would be under the church. But then, of course, the arts and the entertainment need to fall underneath the church as well because it all needs to be moral and pure and it needs to embody all of these other elements. It, it, would, it would literally bring the rest of this together, the education of everyone, the, the family unit, all of this would be wrapped up in our entertainment and our arts and all would be a purification and an exalting of the system. 
And then you need to have the media, of course. All of our news correspondence, every, any way that we, are, we gain truth, has to come through the church. We will have total dominion over the entire planet. And at that point, we will then be able to have Christ's return because we will have we will have put the earth into its necessary age of perfection in order for it to all fall in line. Now, does any of that seem crazy? Well, that's what today's church is teaching. It's teaching various elements of that right in the, out there in the open, in your face. Some of it, it's, you have to look for it a little bit in order to find it because they're not ready to reveal those out to their fullest extent. But the church has been digging its way, clawing its way deeper into these different systems, these seven mandates, or, or mountains rather. Um, it's been digging its way into this for decades now. You had a, a group as, as late as the, the late 70s, early 80s, that was referred to as the religious right. And the idea was that they would bring religion and the church into politics. And that was your early folks, that uh, your Swaggerts and your Pat Robertsons and, and those types that, that got involved in early politics in the 80s particularly. And then it's continued on since then, and they get themselves wrapped up in all of this. Uh, today's church gets wrapped up a lot in the arts and entertainment area that is on the list. Um, they don't get wrapped up in the government end of it as much, although there is some play in that, in the sense of you've got spiritual advisors that are advising politicians in D.C. and so forth, and they're your Paula Whites and your Greg Laurie's, and these folks that, quite honestly, are ministering to or advising the Trump administration. So all of this is there. It's very real. It's very relevant. And, uh, and so they're getting into the government sphere of all of this as much as they possibly can. They play the game with politics when it comes to Israel and the Middle Eastern situations. Um, they get involved when it comes to the medical areas of things with COVID. Uh, they're getting involved in all of these different areas, and so the Dominion theology is rampant, and it's been building for decades, and uh, they don't necessarily have to be called that in order for you to see that that is their goal and that's where everything is heading. It's all heresy. And it's all something that has been primarily building within the church in the last couple of hundred years. And so what's happened is Judaism already had their issues and Judaism has already failed. Catholicism had its ramp in and it already has done the same thing that Judaism did and it has failed. And so both of those have been captured into the world heresy. What was left was the base of Christianity itself, the Protestant side of Christianity, and it has now been taken over by your new apostolic reformation or your dominion theology and your dispensationalism and your different areas that are there. And so now the Protestant end of Christianity has been taken, or Christianity itself, because you had Catholicism and Protestantism, which was Christianity. So Judaism, Catholicism, Christianity as a whole have been taken away uh, as far as them being scripturally based, and they all fit into the Eastern mystic 
ideas of let's just make everything better here. Let's bring a dominion here. Let's restore things here. Let's make this a heaven on earth. Let's do all those things that, uh, that make us happy now. Let's seek uh, our solution now and not worry about anything post. And as a result of that, you're getting more and more people that are trying to walk away from an end times. They're trying to walk away from eschatology in general. They want you to be looking at ways to perfect life here, make the best of life at this point, and just ignore any kind of punishment, damnation, or salvation for that matter. It's not just an attempt to get you to forget that there really is a hell. It's an attempt to make you forget that you need a heaven. It is an attempt to say that you can have the best of everything you need minus the punishment phase if you just make heaven on earth. And we'll do it by capturing control over everything that is within the earth. Dominion. That's where we are. And it's scary. And you can see how all of it fits in not just a religious realm. You don't have to be religious in any way whatsoever for this to be scary or for this to affect you. Okay, You can be a disbeliever in all religious systems all that you want. And it won't change that the world is moving in this direction. Because see, here's the little secret. They don't really want you to believe in a God. They want everybody to not have a true religion unless that religion is here. They want that religion to be us. If we can get to the point where we will worship ourselves and worship the knowledge we have and worship being woke and living for here and now and where we go one, we go all and tell ourselves that we've got a great awakening and that we're going to rescue all the, the people who are suffering in the world and that we're going to fix all of the problems here on earth and we're going to make life here incredible. If they can get us focused on that, they can get us to not focus on a God and a heaven and a salvation. But they can also get us to not catch the fact that without that God and that salvation, what we have is eternity of punishment and damnation and hell. They want you to ignore the heavenly so that you'll also ignore the underworldly. See, it's a twofold. If they can get you to worship where you are now, then you'll take your eyes off of being saved and take your eyes off of being damned. And by the time you catch on, it's too late. This is where I've been going. This is the direction I'm trying to go in. This is why I've spent so much time uh, out and away from everything because I'm trying to, to piece all of this together, make sure that I am solid on where I stand and that I'm solid because of Scripture, not because of other people. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many things that I've read, how much time I've spent in the Scripture, uh, and how much I've delved into what does it really say. And that's where I'm going forward with this. What does Scripture really say about these different things? I'm not focusing in on how do you recognize the end times. I mean, give me a break, really. 
uh, on that. How do you recognize when life is getting worse? Because that's that's where it is. That's the guarantee that we have is that life is going to get more difficult here on earth, not more peaceful. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to be environmentally as well as economically and spiritually corrupt and devastated. And we can rely on that happening. There is no health, wealth, prosperity that's not scriptural. It's simple. It's just not. Uh, it's not there. And yet that's what's being taught because they want you to be lukewarm. They want you to be happy and satisfied and fat, dumb, and happy right here so that you won't focus on actual salvation past the physical life because your body will decay. Your body will eventually rot and die. And so where do you go after that? They want you to either believe that you don't go anywhere or believe that you can fix it here or that it won't matter. They want you to do everything except focus on Jesus Christ. Now, they'll mention God. They'll mention Spirit. They'll mention all kinds of things. They'll use all kinds of words in the wrong ways. But they don't want you focusing on Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and Savior. And they will do everything, even within the church, to deceive you from that and to convince you that all you need and that everything you need is here and now and that your salvation is within yourself. That you can do it. Well, you don't need a motivational speaker. What you need is Christ. And if any of that offends you, if this isn't where you see things, this is not what you're buying in for, then by all means, leave my account. But if you know in your heart of hearts that something's off, that you can tell that what you're getting even from the church is a delusion, that you feel like all they're doing is entertaining you and yet they're not doing anything to try and improve your situation. If all they're doing is asking for money and not asking you to go to Christ and to have your soul cleansed and to have your life renewed and for you to have a promise of an eternity in peace, then they're lying to you. You're not going to get it here though. This world is not designed for that. And all you have to do is look around and know that it's not designed like that. You couldn't have total peace within your own family. You know that there's always going to be somebody that's on edge of something. There's always going to be some kind of conflict that happens. There is no such thing as peace on earth. Not in this kingdom. Not in this time. There will be a time when Christ will be in full reign again. Where Satan and his deception will be removed from the picture. But even then, according to our scriptures, even then, there will be those that will fall away. Because the human nature is still sinful. The only time you are completely saved is once you have faced this first death, the physical death, and then you go to Christ 
before that day happens and you declare to him that, that yes, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the only way to salvation. I believe that I must commit my soul and my life to you. When you do that, then what you do is you save yourself from what's called the second death. That is the spiritual death. First death you can't avoid, the physical. The second death you can. You'll avoid a spiritual death, meaning a spiritual damnation. Not just a blip and you're gone and you don't exist anymore, as mysticism believes. It's not like that. There will be an eternity. The question is, is your eternity going to be in peace with God or is your eternity going to be in damnation? Now is your time to make that choice because there will be a time in the future, possibly within your lifetime, that your heart will be hardened and you will not be able to make that choice at that time because you were given the opportunity and you said, nah, I'll wait. I'll see if it really gets bad. Then I'll choose. And it may be too late at that point. And this is all of where I've been going. This is not all coming from me. This is coming from Scripture. And we're going to continue to walk down this road. I'm going to continue to point these things out to you. And if you want to hear it, join in. Share it with others. If you don't, I will continue to pray for you. But I politely ask that you move on. If what you have is a message that's something different, present that message somewhere else. But don't interfere with what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything to harm anyone else. I don't go anybody else's accounts and attack their belief systems. I don't do that. It's not my style, and you should know that. But I have people coming to mind all the time to do that very thing. That is not me. I'm not vindictive, and I'm not mean, and I do not go out there with the attempt to try and destroy other people's messages. I present this message that comes from Scripture. It has been given to me by the Holy Spirit and is not an alteration to anything. It's not something new revealed. It's not something different. It is the Testament. And it is the Gospel. If that's what you're seeking, then God bless you and stay on and continue to encourage others to do likewise. I love you. Till next time.